Hey, Jen. Hey, Tina. You ready? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. You're listening to Speaking of Racism. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. This is Jen here. We are excited about today's show and sharing this interview with you. But before we go into the interview, I just wanted to set this up a little bit. Tina is interviewing Rashawn and Ansa from Change.org. Rashawn and Ansa are campaigners with Change.org, and they are giving us insights into how Change.org works. And if you're like me, you've probably signed a petition, you've maybe even shared a petition, but have you ever actually started a petition? And this was the interesting thing to me. As I was listening to this interview, I realized I don't actually know anything about Change.org. I don't know how it works and what it does. And by the end of this conversation, I was ready to start my own petition. So we're excited to share this with you guys in part because it's such a powerful organization, but it's also a very powerful tool for us. Those of us who want to see change in the world and would also like to get it onto a larger platform. You're going to hear about a number of different campaigns that they have worked on, but one campaign that we would really like to highlight as well in this, there is a campaign to shut down Parchman Prison in Parchman, Mississippi. And we would love for you to go and look that up on change.org. We've shared it on our Facebook page. We may be able to share it on our Instagram page. But as of right now, it's looking for 75,000 signatures, and they've received 61,722 signatures. We would love for you to go get on board, sign that petition, look for other petitions. You can look and search by topic. I actually went on the other day and I looked around and I found a couple of other ones as well that I added my signature to. We get this question, what can I do? And that is such a common thought and such a common question. And so we thought this would be a really good opportunity to connect you with just one of many tools that are out there to impact and affect change in the world. Enjoy the interview. I am really excited and happy to introduce you to two campaigners from change.org. We have with us Ansa and Rashawn. Welcome both of you to Speaking of Racism. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. I would love to begin with what are campaigners and can you tell us a little bit about what that means and what your roles are with change.org? I'll start here um, and say a campaigner at change.org means a lot of different things, but at the heart of it, it's really about helping everyday people who start petitions on change.org grow their petition and reach what we call victory. So seeing what they're asking their petition, seeing that come to fruition. And so as campaigners, our job is to help that petition starter take their petition to the next level. So sometimes that means helping with media coverage. Sometimes that means uh, helping shore up a narrative. Sometimes that means helping the starter sort of work through what a legislative process might look like or what the process for victory might look like. So it depends on what the particular issue is and what the particular petition calls for. But I would say, you know, again, at the heart of it, it's helping everyday petition starters kind of reach the next level of their petition. Yeah, really well said. I think about what we think about at Change and how we think about our role to empower people 
um, and we really use that word a lot, is to make sure that people, we know that people have the power to make the change that they want to see in the world. And that with us, if they need help, they have us as campaigners behind them to um, help them, like Rashawn said, through the process to help them with decision maker engagement. So whoever has the power to make the change that they're trying to see, we can help them reach that person um, or that company or whoever that that is. And we also have a very large email program. It's one of the largest um, email programs in the world. And part of my role was to help people reach as many people as possible. So your petition, whatever it may be about, we know there are algorithms that there are people who are interested in similar topics and issues. So we want to help that person reach as many as possible and help people who are interested in making change also know what's out there and what changes they could be making. Okay. So that makes a lot of sense um, as far as just empowering people to make change. I became aware of change.org over the past several years as I have been active in different campaigns, whether it was for participating in protests or rallies or signing petitions that will ask or influence some of our, um, some legislators to get involved with stopping the execution of someone that's on death row. Um, That's kind of my understanding of change.org. Let me ask this first. Would you all consider change.org as a political platform? How would you describe change.org? So I can answer that. Change is an open platform. So we, and we use that term, it's, it's part of our DNA in that anyone can start a petition. We do have guidelines and policy guidelines. So if your petition is really bad about something just terrible, if you can imagine anything that nobody would want to condone, um, we do have a set of policies and an entire team that looks at those petitions to make sure that we are not censoring people unnecessarily and that people aren't using our platform for bad things. There is a team dedicated to that, but not all of the petitions started on change are necessarily political, although a lot of things can be political, but to the people who are starting those petitions, it really means their community. It could mean something personal to them. And I think that, um, I think, I don't know if Rashan, you might agree with this, but just the term political, our starters are everyday people, our next door neighbors who might just be thinking about getting a stop sign across the street or closing an animal shelter that isn't doing things properly and where the animals should be saved elsewhere. To them, yeah. I don't think we're, we're assigning the word political to any action that people want to take. Although we could consider it political, I wouldn't say that the people en masse who use the platform would consider their actions political. Yeah, I would totally agree with what Anta just said, because my background is in community organizing. So my first job out of college was a community organizer. And so one of the things that attracted me about change was this ability for anybody, you know, regardless of who you are, what your experience is, you know, it's a tool for anyone to use to sort of create that change that they want to see. Like you don't have to have, you know, like Anta said, most of our starters They don't have experience as organizers. You know, they aren't necessarily folks who have been doing this for any significant amount of time. Oftentimes, they're just ordinary folks who feel really impacted by a particular issue and want to see change. And so I I think in a lot of ways, that's the beauty of it is that we interact with, you know, everyday people who just care about that one thing in their community or that one thing that's affecting them. and, And that's great. Can you speak to the fundraising component? Is there a fundraising component 
associated with the petitions that are on change.org? Um, good question. So there is not, um, uh, there's not necessarily specifically fundraising. We do not use that term um, at change. We are people powered is the term that we use. So people can contribute um, to change.org. They can promote a petition, which puts money behind a petition to get it in front of more eyes. Um, and that money goes toward advertising that petition, goes towards the tools and the campaigning um, behind the petition and petitions like it. So many people might link to their GoFundMe page or something like that. But after you sign a petition, you may be asked to, um, you know, for an extra th two or three dollars, you can get this petition to be in front of X number of people. And it goes through these, uh, this detailed flow of where your money goes and how it's used and, and all of that. But because we are a B Corp, we're not a nonprofit, um, that money is not a donation and it's not fundraising for the organization. Got it. We've seen people say like, where does the money go? And, and how come I don't get that money? And so we try to uh, be clear with petition starters and with people um, in as many instances as possible to reiterate that um, that this is not fundraising. This is not a donation. This is to be very, very clear about that. Change is not a fundraising platform. It's people powered. I love that term. And it can be used to funnel folks to a GoFundMe or to something that might be raising money for a particular campaign or issue, but that's not the purpose of change.org. Right. Um, so can you share with us some of the most popular petitions you've had or even some of the most, uh, one, of, one of your more unique petition that you've had that maybe didn't get a tremendous amount of exposure necessarily, but, but just something that you all feel is a really good example of why change.org is important and how it's affecting and helping people make change where they are in their communities. One, we see really unique petitions every day. <laughs> like every day there, whatever your mind can imagine, someone has started a petition on it. <laughs> like you said, there are also like really small petitions that sometimes never sort of get to the level of some of our larger petitions, but are still valuable. And they're still important stories and important voices. And one of those that I worked on was last year. I don't know if you remember uh, Nipsey Hussle, the, the rapper was murdered in Los Angeles. And mm -hmm. there were a few petitions that were started to have uh, the Lakers redo their jerseys in honor of Nipsey Hussle and a few that were asking for some sort of commemoration of his impact on the community um, in LA because he had started, you know, he had done a lot of things around real estate. He had done a lot of things around community development. And so there were a series of petitions about either the Lakers organization or the city of Los Angeles doing something that sort of honors that legacy. And so that petition, you know, those petitions never really sort of reached any level of significance. Um, but, you know, again, we sort of talked to the starters, we sort of got their stories, and we found out um, that many of them were LA natives, many of them were from the same neighborhood as Nipsey Hussle, and they just felt impacted by a lot of the work that he was doing, and they wanted to find a way to honor him. And so, yeah, oftentimes we get petitions that sort of never, you know, reach that critical mass level, but are still important, are still very unique stories, and still very powerful stories. That's beautiful. The first thing that came to my mind was um, petitions. We, we had a series of petitions around maternal mortality in the U.S. And as a, as a woman, 
as a black woman and as a black woman who lives in Washington DC, which is um, some of the lowest um, maternal mortality rates in the US, it was a personal thing for me to see these petitions um, pop up. There is a video of a man whose um, wife died in childbirth and the doctors weren't listening to her pain levels, which is a very common thing um, with African-Americans and, and, um, and doctors, that their pain levels are assessed at much lower than they actually are. And so we had Serena Williams, you know, um, give birth and then Beyonce tell her story. And all of these stories are coming up, but these petitions weren't really going anywhere. And it was devastating <laughs> and frustrating to say, why don't people care? You've got these really big names talking about this issue, but it's not moving. That was one of those petitions, um, one of those issues, because we tried several different angles and several different petitions. And these women who are starting these petitions, this is their story. So it's very personal and very, and very, you know, it's difficult. But to see how passionate people are behind something like this um, was really inspiring for me. But that's something that we're still pushing. Anytime there's an opportunity, we say, can we email this or can we post this somewhere? So most recently with what's going on in uh, New York with the no partners in the, in the birthing rooms, which was now reversed or there, there's this back and forth I'm not sure if you're familiar with. So due to coronavirus concerns, there, there were some hospitals and then all hospitals in New York that said you must be dropped off at the front door, your temperature is taken, and then you go in and you give birth and no one is allowed in the room with you. You have to have a mask on and all of that. And so just maybe just a couple of days ago, there was um, kind of like a reversal on that. But even that was an opportunity to say, oh, we can talk about this. (laughs) We can talk about mothers and birthing again. So that's an example of something that I hadn't actually thought of myself until I started seeing these petitions pop up. You know, but on a much lighter side, we do, as Rashan said, we have petitions that are interesting, that can have hundreds of thousands of signatures behind them, and they are just fun. Um, my favorite of all of those is to rename fire ants to spicy boys. <laughs> that, <laughs> and that, and it's, it's, it's funny, and it's fun, but it also speaks to the nature of, of going back to people power, is people sometimes use the platform to use humor to say, like, look how many people we can get to do something, to do anything, right? Um, to band together and and do something, no matter how silly or serious or trivial, trivial you may think it is. It's important to somebody. And that is inspiring to see every day. I love that. I did not consider that there would be, I guess, trivial type of petitions that are created because then that kind of brings me to my next question of where do these petitions go? What is the ultimate goal when I have an issue that or a topic or something that's important to me and I want to create a petition? How do I determine what success looks like and where does that petition go? Again, like that, that's something that obviously depends on this the type of petition. But oftentimes, if, if you open a petition on change.org, the ask of the petition will be very clear, like front and center, like, I, you know, I want this, or I want this to be changed, or I want that to be changed. And so for the few petitions that our team is actually able to work on and, and service and be campaigners for, we're often talking with the starters and saying, you know, what do you, what do they think a victory looks like? Um, and also from our perspective, from our perspective as professionals, like, what do we think victory looks like? And so oftentimes there's a meeting of the minds there. And so that's one piece of it. But there's also a piece where we interact with so many petitions that are smaller, more locally based. 
And so oftentimes what I find that we do is we'll have a few conversations with the starter and the starter will kind of take the tools and the tips that we offer and keep pushing it forward on their own, even if we don't necessarily have the capacity to continue to help them. Like I said, I've worked on a series of healthcare petitions that were calling for affordable insulin. Um, and we saw dozens of petitions around the country that were calling for affordable insulin. And there was a very small team of people who were working on those petitions. And so obviously there's limited capacity that the staff has to help all of these petitions that are asking for affordable insulin. But what we were able to do was to have these very quick one-off conversations with folks and we found that folks were kind of taking those tips and taking those tools and continuing that work on their own, whether it was updating their, their signers of the petition saying, you know, we're having some sort of offline action. We saw that in Florida. There was a, a rally that happened um, in the capital of Florida that was calling for affordable insulin. So, you know, we see people kind of also use change.org as a starting place and as an organizing place to shift to whatever that next stage in their processes. From a technical point, this question, um, I don't know about you, Rashawn, but this question comes up to me in my like social circles is just as you ask it, Tina, um, where does this go now or <laughs> what happens next? And I think that there could be some confusion out there about, um, I think there was the White House petition platform that said, if you get to X number of signatures, then the government's going to respond. And then there are some platforms that say, you know, we need to get X number of signatures or else our decision maker isn't going to respond. And so where the petition goes, as you set up a petition, you are, you know, you have um, an option to put in, who is this for? Who has the power to make this change? And so the petition, ultimately, the goal for a lot of petition starters is to get this petition in the hands of the person who can actually make that change, whether it's the government, whether it's a CEO, or whether your town council, or your uh, local theater, or you name it, whoever has the power to make the change, that's where the, that's ultimately where the petition needs to go and where a lot of the starters are really pushing to get there. And so is it as easy as printing out a petition and mailing it to the government? <laughs> no, but the idea, just as Rashan said, is using change as a hub, as a starting point to get all of these people in one place and to say, look, there are a thousand, ten thousand, a hundred thousand people who believe in this cause, and to kind of use that to pressure a decision maker into making a decision is really a very good use. I think about um, like the biggest camp. One of the biggest campaigns um, for us was the was a Boy Scouts campaign with Gay Scouts and Gay um, Troop leaders. And that was a petition in which lots of people started a petition. I was kicked out of my troop. I was fired from leading this troop. Are you familiar with that? I was going to ask if you could tell a little bit more about what was the petition regarding the Boy Scouts? Yeah, so um, there are over a series of two years, um, there are many petitions that were started about Boy Scouts Boy Scouts of America allowing gay scouts. And so they're, they were not allowed, they're forbidden. Um, and there's a huge, huge deal. And there are scouts that were coming out and saying, I was kicked out of this very important institution for who I am. And so they're starting petitions. And there's a troop leader who was started, who started a petition, many, but then one particular that um, was making news. And at change with the, the staff on hand, change was able to come together, bring all of these petitions together. As one was started, another person says, oh, well, I was kicked out of my troop too. So I need to start a petition about my troop. So they start a petition and it snowballs from there. 
And all the while, the decision maker on that, where the petition should go, is Boy Scouts of America. And they're seeing all of this passion behind it. And they're seeing all of the, these people come together. There were rallies. There were, um, there were people in front of their conferences. There were, I mean, those CEOs can go anywhere <laughs> without people carrying boxes of petitions and signatures with you know, change.org petitions um, at their front door. And that, that was a moment to me of um, just learning about that and watching that unfold. They were on Ellen, they're on TV, they're all over the place asking all the while asking people sign this petition to join this movement. If you're looking for an action you can take, it can be as simple as signing a petition, but you signing that petition shows that you support this issue and that support can help put pressure on someone who can change, uh, who can make the change. So on the flip side of that, were there also petitions started to maintain that anti-gay policy of discriminating against gay scouts in Boy Scouts of America? Yes, definitely. Um, And and that's because we are an open platform, again. So if there are certainly, there are multiple sides to every issue. And the petitions that we work on aren't always going to align with you know, certain values. I wouldn't say that we even as we, we as an organization don't really choose a specific path. Um, we really are supporting very big petitions or trying to, um, I think the term that we use most, most often is like a broad, broad reaching issues. So ones that would impact many, many people. Um, and so it does turn out that petitions that are against, for example, that are discriminatory or, or in that nature aren't very broad reaching oftentimes, but I wouldn't say that we choose one over the other for ideological reasons often. It's more so how can we impact the most people with this issue? So yeah, there, there and there are often petitions um, started on the platform that we may read as discriminatory, but they, are, they wouldn't cross our policy. Um, so for example, there could be kind of dog whistle language in a petition that if it's not very explicit, I can read this and say, okay, this, is, this isn't good. But it's really a fine line between censoring people's voice and their ability to gather around an issue that's important to them and uh, really allowing people to have free reign <laughs> to start petitions about whatever they want. We're, we're, I think we really toe the line very well with very explicit policies and, and, and like I said earlier, a team dedicated to making sure people aren't using the platform to do harm. All right. So as we start to wrap up, I want to ask that you will take me through the process of starting a petition and tell me some of the ways that both of you as campaigners help me with my petition. I'll use a specific example. Me personally, something that's important to me is seeing that, especially right now with the spread of the coronavirus, that folks are released from prison. Inmates are granted the ability to leave prison, um, and especially also the undocumented immigrant community that are in detention centers that they are released as well. That's something that's important to me. I want to start a petition. What does that look like? I go to change.org. What's the process? Where do you all come in? And how do I spread the word and get folks to sign my petition? That's that's actually funny because we were literally just talking about- <laughs> just talking. Uh, 
talking about a this. few petitions that have come up this morning in our morning meeting there was a, a sizable petition that came up about early release for uh, certain folks who are incarcerated so that's that's you know that's one of those trend issues that we're seeing multiple petitions on um, but to your question what you would do is I mean sort of coming up with the idea and articulating that change is the first and probably the most important step um, the second one is you go to change.org and there is uh, sort of a series of pages that you go through that help you set up your petition. And so in that process, uh, I think you'll be asked to write three things. Um, one is what's your ask going to be? So like your sub, like your name, top line, you know, release, you know, early release for nonviolent offenders or whatever, you know, whatever that thing that you want is, that's the thing that you want to make sure that you write. And in that case, you know, specificity is, is the more specific you can be, the better you'll be. So, you know, oftentimes we get really broad campaigns that say, it'll say, you know, in your case, it'll say release prisoners. We understand that, but that's also too broad. We need to know, you know, are you talking about particular people who are incarcerated? Are you talking about a particular place? Are you talking about, you know, a federal system or a local system? And we know that not everyone sort of knows how those things work, but we ask, you know, the more specific you are, yeah, the, you know, sort of the better off you'll be. And then there's the petition text itself. If you go to any change.org petition, you'll see maybe a paragraph between one paragraph or three paragraphs, or sometimes it can be even longer, a petition text where people sort of explain what the issue is and why it's important for them. And so this is the place where this is where you tell your story. This is where you tell folks why this is important to you, what the issue is, and how you see it being solved. And so this, there's the petition text, and then there are a bunch of other processes, but I'll let Anta jump in because I know I'm probably <laughs> missing something. Before I continue, I want to make sure that I emphasize um, something that Rashan said is about having a particular and specific ask. Um, sometimes we see petitions that say, we need to release prisoners and extend this and not jail these people and and it'll have a list of demands right and those ones we if you know if they get to us we might say hey let's like narrow down what you're trying to accomplish because you'll get people who are really passionate behind your issue you'll speak more directly and clearly to the people who want to make who can make this change um and so after you've gone through the steps in our system of starting a petition, so then you have this petition, you have a petition link. Every single day, our whole team looks at petitions that were started twenty-four in the last 24 hours. So every day we will go through all of the petitions. And, What's, that and number? It, What's that number on average? How many? It could be thousands. <laughs> um, globally, it's thousands. In the U.S., I would say more like hundreds. Um, you know, and if it's been a long weekend, then that Tuesday, it's a lot. <laughs> um, but but every day, and we you know we've got a sizable staff um, at this point. But every day, we look through petitions that have been started in the last day, and we might farm for keywords. So, for example, the way I do it is I'll look at the news every morning, and I'll look at broad mainstream news. So I'll look at USA Today, for example, what's on the cover, what's on the top fold of USA Today? What are people angry about? <laughs> what's going on? What's happening in the world? And then I might see, have there been any petitions started in the last 24 hours about it? Because to Rashawn's earlier point about trends, the sooner we can latch on to trends, the, the more people we can help faster. And so that's what our team does every morning. We start the day doing that. And then we split up and say, okay, who 
can manage what issues today. And then we will email a petition starter and say, we saw your petition and we'd like to help. Ways that we can do that are many, but it really, what we're doing now really expands on the tools that are available to starters. There are guides on the website that we guide starters to, and that those are about building momentum on your petition, how to do that, how to interact with the media, and how to do some media outreach, how to interact with a decision maker, or like your council person and those types of things, how to keep your signers updated using the the tool on the petition website. So all of those guides are available, and they're in a sequential order. So you started a petition, what now? And you go to the next step. And then for the ones that we are touching, we might send out, we saw your petition and, you know, we'd really like if you could do a selfie video that we could share on our Facebook pages or on our social media. We might tweet at a decision maker and say, for example, um, The Tiger King is a very popular Netflix documentary right now. I don't know if you've seen it. I have. I have. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I've been to Joe Exotic's place. That's another story. But Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, so today there are many petitions on freeing Joe Exotic, but we have a lot of petitions at our site about tigers in captivity in the U.S. specifically. So we might say, oh, this is really popular right now. This might be an opportunity to revisit those petitions and those people who started them. So for example, Lisa Frank tweeted today, the Lisa Frank version of Joe Exotic and a Tiger. (laughs) So we might say, she might be interested in this. So so we might tweet at her and say, do you want to sign this petition? And we'll tag the petition starter so that they see, (laughs) so that they have an in. So we're really behind the scenes seeing how can we help these people get the most eyes on their petitions. And that is anything we can think of. And, And we might create graphics for petition starters and say, hey, we, you know, We created these two images if you'd like to tweet them or if you'd like to share them with your people. We might have a blog post on our site that talks about, I just did the other day about healthcare workers during the coronavirus pandemic, and it linked to many petitions that healthcare workers are starting. I would share that, and all of the people who have started those petitions now have this platform, this stage that they're on. The point is that there's so many things that we do and that we provide starters with the tools to do to get their petition out. So Rashawn, you might have more. Yeah, I mean, I, all of those things we have, like we might have worked with an elected official or maybe a corporate executive in a, in a past campaign, and we'll, we'll reach out to them and say, hey, this is something that's burgeoning that you might be interested in. I just did that myself a few days ago with a, a state senator. I said, you know, I've worked with the state senator in the past, and I'm saying this is a petition that's burgeoning in your state. Would you be interested in it? And so we, you know, like Anta was saying, we use a gamut of sort of resources and tools that we have, all with the purpose of like enhancing someone's power and making sure that that the change that they want to see comes to, you know, as much as we can helps helps that come to fruition. One other piece of the process that I think is often overlooked is when you're starting a petition on change.org, there'll be a point where you're asked, who is the decision maker for your issue? And I think this is this is a piece that's often overlooked by folks, but you know what that is simply is like which person or which organization or which office has the ability to enact the change that you want to see. So that might be your local city council, that might be your mayor, that might be Congress, that might be some corporate company, you know, it might be Department of Public Works in your county, you know, so the decision maker is which group or organization or individual has the ability to sort of enact the change. 
Um, and that's such an important piece that I think is often overlooked because depending on who or which organization your decision maker is, that sort of dictates in a lot of ways what path we will take as campaigners and our change to help you. And so we, you know, we often spend a lot of time uh, helping petition starters figure out who exactly is the decision maker for their issue, because a lot of times people don't know. And so one thing I'll say, you know, is during that process, you know, pay close attention to who you put down or, or which organization you put down as your decision maker, because that is more important than people might often think. Exactly. And you can add the contact information of that decision maker so that they get pinged. They get an email when you get to a certain number of signature or every time you get to a certain number of signatures or something like that. Um, and so for for your issue, for the petition you're starting or you'd like to start about um, uh free prisoners during um, this time to keep them safe. So then we might ask all prisoners or prisoners in federal prisons, or do you, maybe you live in a specific state and you want to see the people in your county freed. We would maybe zero in on that and say, okay, so the decision maker is whoever is in charge of the county prisons. And so all, so everything would be directed at that person. And then in addition to that person, we might say, well, who can influence that person? Is there anyone that that person listens to? Sometimes it's a celebrity. If we can, you know, if it's, um, we get a lot of like, don't cancel this show on Netflix. So maybe we can get celebrity voices who are, um, who are behind the show or they're celebrities who are really philanthropic or really behind a uh, passion about global warming or things like that or prison reform. And so we might say, this is a big voice with a big following. If they talked about this petition, then maybe that can help you a lot. So um, power mapping and all of those things are things to think through when starting a petition. And it sounds like a lot, but it's not. <laughs> it sounds like a lot, but you're not alone um, when you're starting a petition. You've got the platform platform, the tools, and everyone who signs your petition on change.org is another vote of support or confidence. And we are encouraged people to reach out to their signers with an update and say, hey, like, we really need to reach X. I'm not sure how. Does anyone have connections? Or everyone, call your senators on Tuesday from nine to four. Those types of interactions, once you start a petition, that's the last time you're alone on that issue, um, especially with the tools on change, the people you connect with, and the people who are behind the scenes. With, it's our sole job is to help you succeed. I think that's so important. And that's a, a beautiful thing that you just said, that once you start a petition, that's the last time that you're alone on an issue that you care about. Then you get to reach out and bring in and gather folks who are in your community around whatever is important and whatever change they you want to make. So that's such a beautiful way to, I think, to close. I really appreciate both of you, Ansa and Rashawn, for being here. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, we will definitely share in the show notes a little bit more about change.org. And hopefully this will inspire folks that have had things on their heart and their mind that they want to see change happen, that they will be inspired to either go to change.org and search that particular topic to find out what they can get involved in and what they can sign, what petition they can sign or go and start their own. So, and it's good to know that there's an entire team of supporters and campaigners with change.org that help to move these petitions and get more eyes on them and get more exposure. So really grateful for both of you and your work. Thank you for sharing your voices and telling us a little bit more about how we can affect change. So thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. This is great.
We hope you have been inspired and encouraged. And we just wanted to take some time out to say thank you to all of you who listen. We know that these are difficult times and that it is an honor to have you choose to listen to this podcast. So we appreciate you guys very much. We also want to give a special shout out to our Patreon community. Without you guys, we couldn't do this work. So we thank you for your investment in that. We also want to invite all of you listening, if you haven't gone and rated our podcast and left a review, it would be so incredibly helpful if you did that. Just take a couple of minutes out, go to the place where you listen to the podcast, leave us a rating and review, share us with people. That gets us out there more and gives us more exposure, and we would love that. That is invaluable. So thank you so much. And right now we're going to go into our joy moment. So Jen, what's been a joy moment for you that you can share over the past few days or week? Mm, That is a good question. Being stuck here in the house, like so many people who are listening, um, I would say one of my joy moments was actually getting out of here and driving to the countryside and going into the woods and just being in the woods with my family. We didn't Mm -hmm. see anybody else. We weren't around anybody else, but I really felt like I was getting to that point. I think at day 21 of being in my home, where I kind of felt like I was cracking a little. Like mentally, Mm. I just, I had no more space for coping. You know, it's like everything had been exhausted and I'm like, I just need to get out in nature. And so that's what we did and it was wonderful. And it really set things on a good path. You know, since I've been home now, I think it's almost been a week. Um, I haven't been feeling that stress and pressure that I was feeling prior to that. So that was really awesome. That was my joy moment. How about you? Well, I really love that because I think it's important for everyone to just acknowledge that we have been in this place of social distancing and sheltering in place for several weeks now. And the reality is it is hard. It is hard Mm -hmm. and mentally and emotionally, physically, spiritually, there's a level of suffering and amount of suffering and um, grief that we're experiencing. And so I'm really glad that you got out into the woods to just get some fresh air, change of scenery, be with your family. Um, And it reminds me that we are inviting our Patreon community to be a part of our joy check-in on next Friday, April 17th. So all the information is on our Patreon for our supporters. So you can check that out. But we would love for our community to get on this Zoom call with us and share what are some of the moments of joy that we're finding during this time of the coronavirus. Awesome. So for me, my joy moment is also the black spotlight. I oh, have, cool. Yeah. I have been looking for, and this might sound strange, I've been looking for my own personal tarot deck card for a little over a year. And I have not found one that I really like and connect to until recently. And so I purchased a melanated tarot deck card that is called Dust to Onyx. And this is a remarkable creation by a woman named Courtney Alexander. I want to read to you uh, a little bit of what she says about why she created this tarot deck series. She says, I want to make sure 
that I am very clear on my heart and intentions behind this work. So there's no confusion or minced words about them. This work was created to honor my black heritage. This work is my homage to the black matriarchs and leaders of our community. This work is a love offering to the black LGBTQIA community whose voices and identities are vastly underrepresented. This work is a tool for every person within the African diaspora to feel a connection to without prejudice. Most of all, this work was created to heal and elevate the least protected among us so that we can all evolve to our best and highest expression. This is not exclusion or discrimination. This work was created in spite of exclusion and discrimination. Therefore, I refuse to apologize or make room for the erasure of my voice, my identity, or those represented in Dust to Onyx, a melanated tarot. And those words spoke to me. And this deck speaks to me in a way that feels so right and so good. And I cannot wait to explore and learn and kind of grow with my new personal tarot deck card. So that's my joy moment for this week. It came in the mail a couple of days ago and I've been having fun playing with it, learning about it. So I would just love to give a shout out to Courtney Alexander. Thank you so much for your beautiful, beautiful commitment and work and passion in creating this, this tarot deck series. And everyone, if you're interested in learning more about this Dust to Onyx tarot deck, you can go to her Instagram page. It is dust to Onyx, and she also has a Facebook, and you can place an order, and it comes really quick. I think I ordered it, and it arrived within, I want to say, four days. So that's awesome. my joy. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you next time. And thank you to Grapes for the music. The song is I Don't Know 